who that is. Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Here we grow. Growth is a process in our lives. Growth is something that needs to take place in our lives. But growth is one of the most difficult things we can do in our spiritual walk. We're working on a verse of Scripture. It's found in Philippians chapter 1. That tells us that we are to be working on developing what God has for us in our lives. Let's say this verse of Scripture. We'll start with the reference, and then we'll do the verse, and then we will finish with the reference. You ready? Here we go. Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6. Now, as I said, growth is a process. It's a process that takes place as we mature and develop, as we are challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Christ. Now, it is indeed an intentional process. It's something that we have to work on. And we went into 2 Peter, and there we discovered as newborn babes, we are to desire the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. If so be, he have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And I trust that you are intentionally working on your spiritual life. Being challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Christ does not happen by accident. It's something that we have to focus on as we look on the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. And Hebrews tells us that we are to lay aside the weights that so easily entangle us Run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. It is an intentional process in our lives. But it is also an incremental process in our lives. There is no such thing as instant spirituality. God did not make us so that we would be microwave Christians. Go to the keypad, press in 90 seconds, Push, start, and out we come. Growth is incremental in our lives. And sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps backwards. But it needs to be passionate. It needs to be purposeful. And we need to be taking these spiritual steps. Paul wrote to book of Ephesians to a group of believers that he was very close to. In fact, the, the church at Ephesus is mentioned in Revelation, and it's the church at Ephesus, sadly, that uh, lost their, their first love. As you read Pauline writing, you discover that the first part of Pauline writing is doctrinal, and the second part of his letter is practical. And so here in Ephesians, we have six chapters, and the first three chapters are doctrinal. And now we're moving into chapter 4, 5, and 6, where it is a very practical application of, of what Paul has said. And as he helps us to understand something about growth, he helps us recognize that growth is so that we might develop maturity in our Christian life. I want to begin with verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to take the time to read down through verse 17 this morning. So you follow along in your copy of the scriptures. Our focus is going to be through verse 7. 
but I want you to catch this in entire context. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. By grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, and he quotes Psalm 68, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Unto Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their Did you catch there Paul's desire? Paul's desire is that these believers in Ephesus would grow up in Christ and reach maturity and be the kind of people that were modeling the wonder of the one whom they followed. You and I need to understand that if we say we are in Jesus, we need to model that. Walk as Jesus walked. Talk as Jesus talked. Love as Jesus loved, and give as Jesus gave. I am enjoying the Quiet Time Diary right now because we are in Ephesians. And these truths are just being brought to the forefront of our lives, and I, I trust that that is a, a blessing to you. Now, I said we we're going to look at the first seven verses of Ephesians chapter 1 this morning, and I trust that it helps us to, to, to grow. There are some phrases that I want you to pick out of Ephesians chapter 4. Let me give these to you, and then we're going to talk a little bit about growth. In verse 1, I want you to pick out the phrase, been called. You see at the end of verse 1? In verse 2, I want you to pick out the phrase, bearing with one another in love. You see that? In verse 3, I want you to pick out the phrase, bond of peace. And in verse 4, I want you to pick out the phrase, one body. All right? Those are the phrases that we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about been called, 
We're going to talk about bearing with one another. We're going to talk about bond of peace, and we are going to talk about one body this morning. Now, let's talk about growth. Growth is incremental. As we have looked at our slides this year, I trust that you have noticed there's been some growth taking place, right? So we start with a seed, and then we get to a little sapling, right? I have a tree that looks like this in my front yard. We planted it about three years ago, and I'm looking for some miracle, miracle grow because there's not a whole lot of shade there yet. But one day, I, I trust that it grows to be a little bit more like this. And I can sit under this tree, and I can enjoy all of the, all of the blessings of, of the shade. But, but one day, it's going to be like this, right? Now, that's the purpose of our lives. We, we start as seedlings, and then we get to saplings. I think I'm in the sap part right now. And then we grow where there is some benefit from our lives. It's incremental, right? It is a process. I don't know where you are in your process. I don't know what your next spiritual step is. I don't know what God is doing in your life. But I trust you're being intentional in your process and willing to take these next spiritual steps. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about these phrases this morning, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Scripture says, I therefore, now every time there's a therefore, you do what? Find out what it's, what it's there for. Look to verse 21 in chapter 3. Just, just up one verse. To him be glory in the church and in, Jesus, and, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Therefore, the prison of the Lord, therefore, it's all about giving God glory. Amen? Whether therefore we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. Right? That, that's our focus. Okay. I therefore, a prisoner, for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called. If you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior this morning, you have a calling in your life. You've been called to be light. You've been called to be salt. You've been called to conform yourself to the character of Jesus Christ. That's what we were called to do. That's our responsibility. And you and I have the responsibility of walking worthy of the calling to which we have been called. It's a done deal in our lives. We are children of God. And as children of God, that's to make a difference. And it's to transform us, to change us, to mature us, to help us. As new creatures in Christ Jesus, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Aren't you thankful for the calling that you have in Christ Jesus? Isn't it great to be a Christian this morning? Would any of you who are Christians trade it for anything else? No, no. We have been and if we say we are a Christian, we ought to act like we are Christians. Amen? This past week, I was involved in a conference call. We are working on getting a church app. Now, for those of you who may not have smartphones, you may not know what an app is. It's an application that would give to us just a real variety of information about Calvary Baptist Church. And it, it would really help us. So we're working. We did a conference call this past week. 9 o'clock, 9.30 in the morning, wasn't it, Brenda? 
9.30 in the morning, and this guy was on the West Coast. So it was 6.30 his time. He started the conference call by saying, I just want you to know I'm a former armor ranger. Now, you got a picture in your mind about a former army ranger? Can you imagine how a former army ranger would handle a conference call on an application for a smartphone? Pretty direct, pretty forceful, pretty to the point, pretty this is the way it is, right? You know, I thought about that. I've never been in the military, except the Lord's Army. And I thought, how does the Lord's Army train me to respond and react to the situations that I've been in? You see, I've been called. You've been called. And it's to make a difference in our lives. And Paul says, all right, believers in Ephesus, walk worthy of that calling because it's a big deal in your life. It's significant, and it needs to make a difference in your life because you've been called, you've been chosen, you've been picked out. We have become children of God, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 8. Amen? I hope that encourages you this morning. You can walk out of this worship center this morning and say, man, I've been called. That's cool. But because we've been called, we better act like it. Better make a difference in our lives. But not only have we been called, we are to bear with one another. How are we to relate to each other? The scripture says that we are to, with all humility, gentleness, verse 2, with patience, bearing with one another in love. We had our CBC 101 class this morning, and one of the things that we do in that class is we go through our official church documents, our constitution, if you will. And there are three official church documents. There's our church covenant, there's our articles of faith, and there's our bylaws. Now, our bylaws tell us how we operate, how we have meetings, how we choose officers, that kind of thing. Our articles of faith tell us what we believe. What, what do we say the Bible says? And our church covenant tells us how we're to relate to each other. And there's a phrase that goes through our church covenant. It's a thread that weaves its way through the entire document. And that's this, bearing with one another in love. Talks about brotherly love. Now, what does that kind of love look like? Well, Paul describes it here. It's a love that has humility. It's a love that has gentleness. And it's a love that is patient. Keep your finger here in Ephesians chapter 4 and jump over to the love chapter, will you? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. By the way, also written by Paul. So you'd think you'd be consistent, wouldn't you? Are you there? Verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. 
It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says that we are to bear with one another with humility, gentleness, and patience because that is the description of love. Now, the Bible's pretty clear where it says husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, right? But the Bible is also very clear where it says we are to love one another, we're to dwell with one another in love, we're to have each other's best interest at heart, we are to be humble and gentle and patient with one another because that's what love's all about, right? Did not Jesus say, by this shall all men know you are my disciples, if you have what? Let's say that one more time. The answer to this question is love, all right? So can we get some interaction here? All right. Je Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love, right? And what is love? Love is hum being humble and gentle and patient. Doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't rude. Growing involves bearing with one another in love. But not only bearing with one another in love, but living with each other in the bond of peace. Verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, this unity is not uniformity. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is a recognition that we're all in this thing together with one head, and that head is Jesus Christ. Are you still in Ephesians chapter 4? Jump back, if you will, please, to Ephesians chapter 1. Look with me at verse 22. Ephesians 1, 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, who's the him there? Jesus gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There is one head of the church, and that is Jesus Christ. My wife sometimes thinks I'm smart-alecky. I try not to be, but there are times that I am. And every once in a while, I'll get out, and someone will say, Hey, Tom, how's your church going? My smart-aleck answer is, at least my wife thinks it's a smart-aleck answer, is it's not my church. Now, I say it's a biblical answer, right? Because it's not. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And Christ is the head of the church. It's not the deacon's church. It's not even the congregant's church. It is his body who is the head, Jesus Christ. Amen? Now that's the unity that we have. And that unity ought to bring peace into our lives because there is one person to whom we look for direction for our lives. And that person is Jesus Christ. If you ever want 
to see disunity within a body of believers? Find a body of believers that is looking another direction than the cup. Find a body of believers that is looking at individuals, whether it's the preacher or whether it's the leadership or whoever it is, and you will find disunity within the church. We live together in the bond of peace because we know who the head is. Amen? And that head is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, right? Philippians chapter 4, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I am so thankful that there is no condemnation because we have peace with God. Romans chapter 5. Not uniformity, but unity. Which brings us to the body, right? Verse 4. Verse 4 talks about there is one body. Now, this is not the only time the word body is used even in the book of Ephesians. If you'll jump over to chapter 2, verse 16, you'll find the word, the phrase, one body. If you'll jump down to verse 12 of chapter 4, you'll find the phrase building up the body. If you'll jump over to verse 16 of the same chapter, you find the phrase whole body. Now, let, let's talk a little bit about the body, all right? The body is an interesting thing. Have you thought about your body? It's pretty complex, isn't it? It's pretty diversified. My ear is nothing like my toes. My nose is not like my finger, although every once in a while I scratch my nose. No, I'm not going to say that. But, but we have one body, right? One body. First Corinthians says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. This is the way it is, folks. It's an illustration of what we're like. Now, my body is one thing, but many things. My body is united, but it's diverse. My, my body is singular, but it's plural, right? We, we speak that way about the body. And it's important for us to understand with it, in the body of Christ, there's going to be some distinction. That's okay. Because that's the way God made us. But it's also important for us to understand that as he uses this practical illustration to define his people, there are some things that hold the body together. And Paul here lists seven ones. One thing that holds us 
together that bonds us together within the body of Christ. Do you see them there, starting with verse 4? One body, one spirit. When we receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior, God gives to us his spirit. The spirit indwells us. In fact, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, What? Know not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have of God? You're not your own, therefore you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, your spirit, which belongs to him. Right? Now what does the spirit do? The spirit guides and directs us into all truth. The spirit teaches us all things. The spirit seals us until the day of redemption. That's one spirit who does that in all of our lives. Now, we can quench the Spirit and we can grieve the Spirit individually. But is that one Spirit that calls us together as a body. But not only one Spirit, we also have one hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid, aren't you thankful for the hope? I am so thankful that this life is not all there is. I love life. I, I enjoy life. I have fun with life. But I'm thankful the best is yet to come. And one day I will absence my body and I will be present with the Lord. And that's a no-so not just guess so. And it is that singular hope that binds us together in the body. It's not that some of us are hoping to go to Cancun and some of us are hoping to go to Hawaii and some of us are hoping to go on a Mediterranean cruise. We're all hoping to go to glory, amen? In my Father's house are many what? Mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Glory! Amen! I'm looking forward to going by the upper taker, not the undertaker. And that is my assured hope. One Lord. One author and finisher of our faith. One who is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through him. One who went to the cross and shed his precious blood in payment for our sins. I had an interesting opportunity this past week. One of our folks needed to go to Grace Health Centers and have an appointment. And so uh, they didn't have a ride. And so I had the privilege of taking off them off and came in and they got checked in and, and went to the back. So, so I went to the counter because I wanted to know whether I could go out and eat the hamburger that I was had, had half eaten. All right, you know, pick, pick two for two fifty. I throw away half the bun. Anyway, I'm talking to these folks at the counter. I said, how long can I expect to have to wait? Gal said, 10 minutes, so help me God. 
I said, we all need God's help. And she said, what? I said, you know, Christmas, God sent his son to be the savior of the world because we needed help. And Easter, now I'm doing this without taking a breath so they can't stop me, right? I said, at Easter, he died for our sins according to the scriptures, buried, rose again according to the scriptures. We all need God's help, and Christmas and Easter tell us how God sent his son to help us. She went, huh? And then we got into another conversation. But it's one Lord, right? Amen? Just one. One Lord. It's also one faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Jude 3, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. It's one baptism. 1 Corinthians 12, we are baptized into the body of, of Christ. Amen? And it's one God and Father. One God and Father. And Paul says it's the God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Amen? That's where we start with the body. That's what brings us together within the body. But not only does that bring us together, but it also reminds us that we are with one another in grace. Look with me at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, we know we are saved by grace, right? For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, Titus 2.11, right? But God demonstrated his grace toward us, his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. God's grace. God giving to us what we do not deserve. Now, here Paul talks about grace that was given to us according to a measure. What is that measure? That measure does not have to do with salvation. That measure has to do with the way we can operate within the body. The way the body is put together. The, the way the body functions. But we are to minister to one another in grace. Recognizing that God's grace met our needs. Understanding that without God's grace, I have absolutely nothing. God's grace ought to change some things in our lives. You're here in Ephesians chapter 4. Can I get you to just look at verse 32? This is how grace works itself out. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Whenever I struggle with people, I remind myself very quickly that there are a lot of times God struggles with me. Hmm? Isn't that what it says? Even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave me. It's real easy for me to straighten out everybody else's life. 
You know? I can tell other people what they ought to do with their money. Handling mine can be a problem at times. I can tell other people what they ought to do with their time. Being disciplined in my life is tough. I can tell other people what kind of diet they ought to go on, how they ought to eat healthy, right? I love junk food. Do give me some credit, I threw away half the bun. But even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven me, that puts me in my place. I ain't so hot either. That's living with one another in, in grace. But the body is designed for a purpose. Verse 16. And what is that purpose? From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body to grow so that it builds itself up in love. What is the purpose? To grow and build ourselves up in love, and that's incremental. That's the body. And the body is to be yielded to its calling. Look with me at the next verse. Now this I say and testify, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So, where are we? Scripture tells us that we've been called. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Scripture tells us that we're to bear with one another, that we're to live out the bond of peace, and that this body is to make a difference. And what is the body? The body is that which is bound together, recognizing that each of us has a grace to be shown, designed to function properly, differently than the Gentiles did. Now, how do we get there? Jump down to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the servants, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about with every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head into Christ. Amen? Now, over the next number of weeks, we're going to talk about the servants, the apostles and the prophets, and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. We're going to talk about the saints, how we are to grow up into a mature body and work together. Because it's a process. Growth is incremental. Taking that next spiritual step. Being challenged, being changed, 
changed life as we conform to the character of Jesus Christ. Amen? This is going to be a fun series. I'm looking forward to it. And I just hope that God uses it in our lives for his honor and his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we can share together. Pray that you would just help us now to, to take these truths. Help us to understand that we've been called or to bear with one another. We live in the bond of peace because we are a body. And Lord, help us to be the kind of people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.